0: December 5th 2016 we are Adaptation Strategies. Welcome to the Adaptation Strategies Studio podcast. I'm
1: Steve Piku.
2: I'm Taylor Burns. I'm Grasshopper Mendoza.
1: I'm Jabade Sanford,
0: And we're going to be talking today about integrated wellness. We're going to be talking about what we think as a company matters to help you make better decisions. We've set a goal for our company to to really be a global leader in adaptation uh, to climate change, to a changing world, uh, to improving our lifestyles, to be able to live more sustainably and, and for everybody to be able to thrive. But one of the things about having a healthy organization is that it starts with healthy people. And we're very fortunate that Jabade is a health and wellness expert. He knows a lot more about this than the other three of us. So we're going to have a conversation to see if we can keep up with Jabati today uh, about some of these subjects. Uh, Jabati, one of the things Grasshopper and I have been on a journey for quite some time now where we cut meat, uh, cow dairy, and in particular sugar out of Oof. our diets. Uh, you know, we like to say that if you want to be sustainable, you want to live a sustainable lifestyle, it starts with your knife and fork. And we know that in taking meat out of our diet, we've reduced demand and reduced, you know, doing our part to not have our demand contribute to deforestation and water pollution and, and the greenhouse myriad, gas emissions. Yeah, the myriad issues that industrial meat caused. But the hardest part of this journey for us was sugar.
1: Sugar is the most culpable substance of the ones that you ran down in your introduction. Sugar is so well hidden in so many processed foods to even buy bread, for example, that doesn't have sugar. It's more expensive than bread that contains an, in, an extra ingredient than the, the bread that has fewer ingredients, which very much shows the reach of the corn industry and the role of the agriculture bill in the ingredients that go into the majority of the foods, especially in the middle part of the supermarket
0: I like to think that if people are all jacked up on sugar it's messing with their decision making is is that an assumption
1: it's always complicated when we talk about nutrition because everyone's genes predisposes them to a certain tolerance or shall I say how resistant you are able in your ability to break down sugar so Yeah, for the persons who are extremely insulin resistant and they don't break down sugar as well as other cohorts of the population, it's very detrimental on the hormonal balance of the brain as well as the barrier between the brain and the circulatory system. So I I would say that is an accurate statement that you put forward.
2: But we're all addicted as well.
3: That's what I was just about to point out. So if we do have this kind of inherent addiction that we've just been used to having for generations maybe even, how do you recommend that we try to break this addiction?
1: Sugar is more addictive than cocaine and uh, some scientific studies have pointed out. And just like if you were dealing with a drug addict, you'd have to find also a substitution to help ease that transition because going cold turkey away from sugar can be especially painful on the body. Uh,
2: we can vouch for that yeah. it took us quite quite a bit of time several
0: months I would say before we had those energy dips that it, we mm-hmm. weren't sure what it was but now we know it was it was the sugar and so it's all,
3: people are actually responding as if they're d- addicted to another chemical substance we
2: are and it, for me now it's like a cigarette um, for a while it, it's been two years now I would still rationalize eating sugar for a special some type of a special occasion but when you do, The next day, either you feel like crap or you want more. And so now it's like, oh, I just can't even go there anymore.
1: And the bridge to transitioning and what I tell my clients, the addition has to be more fat into the diet because you have to replace those calories with another macronutrient source that will make you feel full because that cycle that you're pointing out that weaning off process mm-hmm. you're expecting to replace it with something and when you try to restrict right away your body is asking where where's my reward where are those extra calories that I used to be consuming that used to pour into my bloodstream so rapidly so fat bridges that gap and your response when you eat fat internally in your body is one for a feeling of feeling extremely more full than if you were to even eat a high protein or a high carbohydrate diet,
2: well, there's not a lot of motivators. Come on, give up sugar. Feel like
1: eat a lot of fat. Eat a lot of fat for- after all these
0: years of us being told not to eat fat, and we now know that that was bad advice, or we're increasingly learning that that was bad advice. And that's the
1: paradox. Uh, when I put that forward, a lot of people are like fat. Oh, my goodness. I've been told for such a long time that is the main culprit behind all the chronic illnesses that we talk about. Obesity, Mm -hmm. as well as hypertension, type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. You can go on and on. But the true elephant in the room that policymakers or that scientists haven't put forward as the culprit was, in fact, sugar, which is, as I said, hidden in so many foods. Also, especially when you think you're eating healthfully, eating things even like salad, salad dressings contain of as sugar. much sugar as, say, even a piece of candy.
2: No, it's hidden everywhere. But I, I know that for, for me as a 46-year-old woman uh, dealing with perimenopause, you know, cutting out the sugar has really stabilized my personality.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but also my skin is clearer. I mean, the benefits of being without sugar, once you finally cut it out, it's just like, wow, this is, it's really reinforcing. So I want everyone to know, as hard as it it is, and we've been conned, and it's so difficult to find foods without sugar, the benefits are uh, personal, for sure, but they reinforce your behavior, and so a journey without sugar, and we eat natural sugar, I mean, we don't. We have our fruits, we use maple syrup as necessary, we have substitutes. And that's substitutes. the main
1: distinguishing factor. It's not that necessarily any sugar you put in your body or any level is not necessarily bad. It's just that with this Western diet, we were putting in so much more sugar than right. any populace or any country had ever been, had ever been consuming at the rates that we were. Which is about fifty to sixty milligrams of sugar a day, which, if comparing to a, a teaspoon amount, would be about eight to ten teaspoons of sugar, and to give you another visualization of that measure.
0: It's it's so disturbing to learn these things, and you get the control back in your life that getting off of sugar gives you. You get this sense of self-control that uh, I'm just it's indescribable in some ways. Um, Weight loss. Well, but, you know, we even even the, even the language we use, you know, sweet and sugar and fat, you know, we call people fat, and then we tell you don't eat fat, but then the sugar's been making us fat, and it's very uh, counterintuitive for people, but the challenge for us is how do we share a message without coming across as, you know, food Nazis, or, or, or you know, how do, we, how do we get this message out, because a great deal of the bad decision making that's happening everywhere in this country i mean at the highest levels and the most basic realities they're not good decisions because people's biochemistry has been upset and i you know for me i see the connection between our personal biochemistry and, and the biochemistry of the environment around us that's right it's ha- it's hard to have balance if if we're living in this sense of in this state of imbalance, what can we do as a company or you know, how can we address this meaningfully?
1: I think it starts with showing compassion, especially for the people who are fat shamed or who are obese who or who chronically struggle with their weight because as I said before, sugar is as addictive as cocaine and we're not shaming necessarily someone who has addiction, that's not the paradigm within mental health for those persons necessarily. We try to tackle it as a psychological problem. And in this instance also when you go to a rest stop or you go to the supermarket, people who even try to eat healthily or who've tried dieting, they don't understand why this process has been so difficult. Where they can boomerang something works but then instantly comes right back because of They haven't taken out the root cause of that, which is the sugar. It's like what you say, Steve, about how can you get well if uh, you're still consuming what makes you sick. So for a lot of people, I think they want a path forward and they just don't know what that path is. Just like with the environment, I don't think there are people out there who are maliciously trying to pollute. For a lot of folks, they don't understand which behaviors are beneficial and which one's are detrimental to the environment and educating and showing them a new path forward or a new path where you can replace X with Y. And a lot of people want to be healthier. They want to do better for their loved ones as well as for their surrounding natural environment as well.
3: I think something else that can partially be to blame is the disagreement between what physicians and other medical professionals recommend to us for daily intake of sugar, fats, and maybe some other of those things that aren't as healthy for us, versus how available they are in uh, grocery stores, like you mentioned, or at rest stops, and just in everyday uh, passing life. Like, you can't just go to a fruit stand and get a few quality vegetables and fruits, but you're surrounded by tons of unhealthy bagged, plastic, encapsulated options. Yes. So that definitely, it has to bias and influence our behavior and our consumption. Do you agree?
2: We've been lied to.
0: Yeah, it's been designed to bias. It's uh, a it's, twofold
1: factor. Yeah. yeah.
0: The medical profession has its own interests and even though they are coming around to this stuff, the food industry's lobbies uh, you know, there's this massive clash of of lobbying money happening in Washington between uh, medicine and food. And it's not producing better policy for us yet. Uh, the last eight years it's taken them eight years to even get to the point to changing some of the food labels. right you know, the one The one gap on the food label is that percentage on sugar. It doesn't tell you your percentage of RDA because the sugar lobby doesn't want that information on on that label. so even when you are conscious and trying to pay attention to it. You, it's harder to make a better decision.
2: Isn't it changing, though? I believe the labeling We'll see standard. with the new administration
0: coming in. These things could change radically. Um, some of these changes weren't in place yet. So I, I just wonder what we can do. You know, I, I wish we could find a way through this, not just as a company trying to make a living doing this kind of stuff, but as a way to help clients make better decisions. To me, it gets back to that fundamental... Of the role that we have as a as a consulting company and as a company that's trying to help people adapt to a changing world, this change—it's it, almost like you're you're going to be back to basics. Well, you're going to be <laughs> oblivious to a lot of what's going around right. you because your judgment is so clouded by your own addictions and and drives. And you talk about the we don't shame, but globally and with you know the rise of the, the current administration, we're seeing a mindset that uh, is is not that. I mean, if you lived in the Philippines, you won't be shamed, you'll be shot because they think you're an addict. They think you're involved in drugs. They will shoot you and kill you and they've killed thousands of people for that reason. I I worry that the mindset of, of the populace is not oriented towards that compassion and understanding. And I think that's the direction we want to go in with the work we do and the leadership we want to provide.
1: I suppose I, I did overstate where I presented a paradigm of mental health that doesn't actually accurately represent the reality which is the war on drugs has stigmatized the treatment of addiction mm-hmm. rather than just trying to lock up addicts so uh, the same kind of model has been playing out within the food industry as well where you have certain sectors that are profiting and when private industries aligned with one interest and those don't align then with the public interest which is health uh, less less of a burden on health on the healthcare industry as well and that's how we have come to this point today
0: well i think we need to kind of wrap this up because we could talk about this subject all day and scratch our heads because when you were talking about how we lock up people i feel like we're locked into a system we're not in jail but when you go into that corner grocery store when you go into the big grocery stores when you go to the rest stops and the truck stops and you know you're just trying to to feed yourself in your busy life you're being pushed we're captives of this lobby this industry that is really not looking out for our well-being and how we change that paradigm starts with each one of us individually that's all that's all I've learned about this journey i don't know how we can address it in a bigger way Except uh, that I think as each one of us gets our heads back, gets the clarity back, hopefully more of that'll happen and then we'll just grow into a mass of people that are compassionate and pass better policies.
2: Well, I think it's also it's a problem that is hidden in plain sight. And that is something that we all have to understand our role when we make decisions. And if you're voting with your dollars or you're voting or you're making decisions with your fork, um, it's the holiday season right now, and if you look at any of the recipes, right, for any of the cookies or cakes or what have you, there is so much sugar that we're almost immune. You know, one cup of brown sugar and one cup of uh, white sugar. So we can all make better decisions, but know that there's ramifications that go even beyond Uh, What it is that we're putting in those cookies and cakes. I
1: think the most catch-all advice that anyone could take out is start by cooking your own food. Knowing how much of what goes into your food because like I had said before about the teaspoon amounts, if you visually took each teaspoon of sugar and put in your food, most likely you wouldn't be predisposed to doing that. It's only when food is also processed, it's a lot easier to consume that amount of sugar or that amount of X oil or Y trans fats or any number of other substances that are also found in processed foods. Uh, But it starts with cooking your own meals, knowing exactly what ingredients go into it. And that's the best that anyone can do in taking control putting your hands on the steering wheel and guiding your own destiny about what you are putting in your body and seeing how you feel as you do eat and being mindful about what you are eating.
0: Well, with that, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Uh, we're in a rainy New Orleans today. Thanks for checking us out. We are Adaptation Strategies. That's it.